This episode is not sponsored, but we encourage you to help support the small businesses, charities and organisations that we mention. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Our Circle. I'm Rhiannon. And I'm Jess. And today we are joined by one of our dearest friends, a physiotherapist and tra- uh, trauma ward manager, Chloe. Hi. Hi. Thank Thanks. you so much for coming on our podcast. We're very, very excited to have you. Um, we're obviously excited to have you and we'll have you back many, many times. Hopefully, if you will be so kind to join us, just because obviously you're one of our closest friends, but also you have such an important job that we want the world really and all of our listeners to sort of know more about and we just really want your your experience and and your knowledge and facts and everything you have to sort of tell us about what it's been like working in a hospital during COVID so a little trigger warning I guess for listeners who are a bit sensitive to everything that's been going on we completely understand and we don't want anyone to feel bad listening to our podcast that's not our intention but we do want to educate everyone on what is happening this is a real thing that is happening it's not a hoax um it's been affecting everyone in the worst ways and we just really want Chloe to tell us everything about that but to start that off I guess we just want to know and introduce you to everyone and what you do so how did you get into physiotherapy for a start because I don't actually know this it's really funny actually because I didn't originally want to be a physiotherapist what did you want to be I had got my heart set on being a midwife oh of course yeah I'm sorry (laughs) I was trying to remember for ages I was like I know it wasn't physiotherapy but what was it Uh, midwife so I for some reason I just sort of loved the idea obviously I've been in the kind of medical field with St John for a while and it's such a lovely thing to do obviously there are they're not so great sides of it as well but all in all it is a lovely job so mm. I was sort of telling my family I've decided this is what I'm going to do and my granddad turned around and said really <laughs> why don't you be a physiotherapist I'm sure that's not your, your sort of bag and I was like oh thanks <laughs> really so this all came from your granddad yeah it did actually yeah he was really passionate about it and he said you've had physio you're sporty you're medical like it makes sense I thought well okay listen to you thanks granddad yeah yeah a bit of research and actually found that physio is not just massage and sports injuries it's very much in the medical side you go into hospitals you're on wards can you explain actually what physiotherapy is to people like because I mean I've never had physiotherapy before I haven't either no yeah so one I think the main side that everyone knows about is obviously the injury and sports injury side of it and that's actually a very small side of physiotherapy right um and actually you're you can work as an inpatient physiotherapist on the wards in a hospital um and that could be um, rehabilitating patients after strokes that could be after um injuries such as uh, fractures etc which is more what I do um, and polytraumas and then you've got the respiratory side of things so that's more about trying to encourage patients to cough getting rid of sputum optimizing the oxygenation things like that so it's a very a lot of sort of medical side of things rather than just sports massage I mean I mean I know obviously it you could almost just say yes that you could guess this from the the name of like physical therapy physiotherapy it's obviously going to be something to sort of rehabilitate the body in some ways but I think like you said you do naturally sort of think injury like as in sports injury or something Mm. yeah yeah definitely which is fair enough because that's kind of what the media portray it to be and obviously we are on call and having to do respiratory on calls and respiratory weekends and people sort of thinking why do you need an on-call massage therapist in a hospital (laughs) 
but it's definitely not that right um, so we are dealing with quite sick patients if that's the kind of side of physio you want to go into and obviously there are lots and lots and lots of different other um, variations of where you can go in with physiotherapy um, but that they're kind of the main ones really mm. so yeah so I looked into it and then thought actually this is this sounds good and then I managed to get some work experience in a um, pediatric intensive care unit at St Thomas's which was Ooh, amazing wow. um, and that really was the seeing the sickest of babies and oh, very much respiratory neuro based looking at the range of movement in their joints making sure they're not retaining secretions sort of keeping the airways clear as possible was that an, a, an observation sort of mm. placement or you were actually having to do the, the no no so I think I was 16 so it was very much observational to see oh, if I, I would have liked that sort of side of things and then after that I thought actually yeah, this is probably probably my bag so um, obviously then applied to university but that was mm. kind of how I got into it so thanks Granda. Wow <laughs> so you mentioned that you were part of St John's Ambulance and I, I actually always remember you for some reason I have that in my memory as you being part of St John's Ambulance. Do you feel like that helped influence the path to physio um, and did it prepare you in any way do you think it gave you some tools yeah definitely and I think that's potentially why I ended up going down the physio route is that I do enjoy the medical side of things as mm. strange as it sounds and sort of um, get making patients get better and looking after them is what I wanted to do and mm. obviously doing that in St John I was used to that on the, the sports field and more the first aid kind of things but it got that um, communication between me and patients happening really early so then when I did go to university I was used to sort of seeing patients not knowing who they were but trying to um, get them better as quick as possible and, and communicating with them so I think it really did help and I think that's why I obviously went down the physio route because of that as well. Was that mm. um, common with uh, your fellow students like they had previous experience like with things like St John's Ambulance or was that quite niche to you? I think it was quite niche yeah a lot of people were um, hadn't the physio students hadn't done um, any kind of medical side of things before oh interesting um, so a lot of them were going into it for the sports side of things and actually me being me was very much medical so yeah it, I think I was one of the only ones but it definitely helped me mm. um, just learning even things like vital signs um, how to approach a patient all of that mm. I knew so that really helped in the initial stages of university I think mm. as well first-hand experience for me watching you be trained because I, I I've come to the St John Ambulance training yeah. days where they have members of the public come in just to help pretend to be patients and you see how the St John's Ambulance staff are trained and how they respond and I was very much blown away by it all because <laughs> you know we got given scripts or um yeah you know like a piece of, like you're going to be a drunk teenager I was like got it <laughs> so um, <laughs> and and it's the way how you know that everyone's having the discussion beforehand but then seeing them switch into that work medical I, I was really impressed so it makes a lot of sense that that did prepare you like I can imagine that helping a lot yeah, hugely hugely and a lot of the St John Ambulance members are healthcare professionals or go into healthcare professionals from doing that even from right. the age. so that's really great mm. going off onto the the way that you've been prepared I mean nothing can necessarily have prepared you for what you've experienced this year and and you um you've worked in a hospital since this whole pandemic from start to current that we're you know we're hoping to be near the finish but we're definitely <laughs> still in it where you've had COVID patients and you've had COVID wards would you mind telling our listeners what you've had to witness and experience and what you've basically had to go through I guess I think it's so difficult to quantify sort of 
just what we've all been through right you go into it and then you get past that little hurdle and then you forget what you've just been through and I think that's a coping mechanism isn't it Mm. and what we've got to remember is that we went into uh, 2019 winter in the NHS sort of geared up to deal with winter and normally it's horrendous and there's loads of flu patients but you know there's going to be an end point Mm. then going into sort of January February uh, March 2020 time we're in we're normally in that recovery period right. coming out of winter and actually starting to settle down again. So from 2019 winter to now, we've not really had any recovery period. The whole sort of NHS has just literally been surviving mm. um, and, li- and living on what we can at the moment. So it's really difficult to sort of keep keep going, um, mm. particularly when you haven't had that lull. Yes, okay, we had August, September, which was a little bit easier. Could you explain your role as well? Because you have quite an important role to play in the ward the, the wards that you work on as well. You're not you're not just um and I, I don't mean this in disrespect to anyone who is working, but you're not just like a I, I don't know the correct correct time you're not just a a physiotherapist you are the the manager of them all aren't you yeah so I'm actually a ward manager for a trauma and orthopedic ward um which is a kind of a new thing physiotherapists they've decided to take the bullet and let a physio do some other work (laughs) Um, but actually so I've seen quite a lot more of the managerial side of COVID than I have always the clinical side whether that be a good thing or not I don't know so I've been having to make sure that staff are okay and mm. make sure their well-being is okay but also dealing with their sickness and obviously in March that was a lot and I think the thing that I found really difficult was that staff would be off sick so your shift would be short and then you try your absolute best to cover the shift but you still wouldn't be able to because there's just no one out there so then your staff who were already working amazingly hard would have to work that little bit harder because you mm. can't cover that shift mm. And I think I found that really difficult at the start. And there's that guilt of, oh, gosh, like I've still got all this stuff to do, but they're working amazingly hard out there and there's nothing else we can do to sort of help them. Mm. And normally what happens is that the hospital will say, oh, hang on a minute, we've got um, a nurse that's free. We're overstaffed on this ward. We'll send them. But that just everything, all the reserves just went completely. Um, so whatever you had is what you had and there was just not, nothing else. I think that's one of the main things I found difficult. But what's been difficult most, I think, is um, the lack of visitors and the lack of families being able to be on the ward. They're a huge part of our ward life. And actually, mm-hmm. I started this job in February and I haven't done this job with with families and visitors being allowed at all but they're the ones that look out that sort of are there for their patients well-being obviously we're there for everyone but they're there for that that an absolute person if that makes sense and it's really difficult to not have them in the in the ward do you feel like you have to kind of take on that role as well as like your your personal with the patients although you probably obviously give your support in every way you can previously it's almost like the family would take on that emotional absolutely and give them that uplift but you have to do that as well yeah absolutely and to the point where it it was difficult to handle because if you think about it we're 36 bedded ward and trying to deal with 36 families and next of kin finding out how their family member is which is absolutely the norm Mm. um is so difficult to keep on top of particularly when you're short-staffed and you're busy already so there's a few ways we went about it and we managed to get a few iPads and uh, board mobiles so that we could encourage Zoom calls uh, with patients and phone calls, etc. when we can. And we'd send, spend time in the evenings 
after after dinner time just sort of getting zoom and team set up so that they mm. could speak to their families and their families could see them because for mm. them their family members in this unknown entity of a hospital mm. where covid is they don't know is, is everywhere essentially so then they think the worst which is totally understandable so it's mm-hmm. our job to kind of reassure them and say actually no we are not a covid ward we are a green ward but it's only so much you can say that's going to reassure them and I think I've had a lot of families just crying down the phone to me and and that's difficult to take but mm. I if I can give that little bit of reassurance they're actually okay and that we mm. are trying doing everything we can so obviously that's talking about patients who have been safe or they're COVID free I guess we're saying what has it been like when you've had to work with a COVID patient because I'm sure that that probably varies but for a COVID patient to have been um, admitted to hospital I'm sure that's a complete game change and so I mean can you tell us what that is like what what does a COVID patient look like or what do they yeah, experience? Yeah. Do and I think do? it's strange because when you when we first encountered COVID patients you sort of gear yourself up don't you You get everything on you get a ppe on and think right they're behind that door they're they've got covid and you sort of psych yourself out a little bit and when you go in the room they're just a normal person do you know what i mean and it's it's not it doesn't come across as scary but then there's times where they're incredibly unwell and and that's when you walk in there and think god i've really got to pull my socks up and the treatment that i'm going to give has got to be like absolute 100 percent perfect because we are there to essentially save their lives and there's times where you think oh god have i got my pp on right am i gonna make them cough too much etc and part of physiotherapy is that you make patients cough and you want them to cough right. and it's called aerosol generating procedure and that's then when covid is then released so then we're in a room with someone that we're wanting to cough and wanting to get up as much as they can so it's one of the kind of most not dangerous but prevalent ways of obviously spreading covid mm. and we're in there you know what i mean and, and yeah. you've got to You've got to put your own um, anxieties and and things behind you and actually think, no, I'm here to treat the patient. But there's so many times where we wanted to just go, you can't do this, can't do this. And and it it gets to you too much to the point where you're thinking, can I do my job? But actually you get through it and it's fine and you get out and you're fine. But the poor patients, bless them, that's at the end of the day, we're there there for them. Um, Have you had many patients where it hasn't worked? um, Having the worst outcome? Yeah, I had a, um, I was called out to a patient in the middle of the night and they said that, I won't go into too much medical detail, but he was essentially deteriorating. He's on the maximum oxygen he could be on. We need you to come and see if you can do anything kind of thing. And and so I went in and obviously drive in thinking, what can I do? What can I go through? I actually spoke to one of my colleagues who'd been looking after that patient the, that morning. So that was helpful. Mm. And then I spoke to the doctor and did a few things and they're on um, non-invasive ventilation. So it's a mask blast air into the lungs in sort of layman's terms right um to try and increase the oxygen as much oxygenation as much as possible but that was maxed out i then had to step away and actually say i don't think there's anything else i can do and that was really hard because the nurse nurse was there thinking oh the physio's here they're gonna they're gonna help um and this patient sort of grabbing the bed and chugging away respiratory ridiculous and then to turn around and say, I'm not sure how much more I can do as a physio is, is awful. Heartbreaking, yeah. So then we spoke to the doctor and we made a decision together that it was probably the best decision for the patient. And obviously it's his job to discuss with family, etc. And then you write your notes and you go home. And it's the, the drive home where you think, God, did I do everything right? And I'm so glad I spoke to my colleague because I think mm. that settled me in that it's 
two of our brains thinking the same thing rather than just yeah. me but there's no way to sort of like deal with it you just got to keep thinking over and over and over and there's no way to really get over that you just get used to it which is awful it's a horrible thing to think of but I mean my heart goes out to all the incredible physios that are working on respiratory boards every single day because I mean I'm, I work on a trauma ward and I see patients on call but the physios that have to go in every single day and do that is they are incredible and I often send texts saying are you okay just sending a hug if you need one or do you need to talk or anything like that so I do consider myself lucky that I am normally on a green ward Mm. you're providing a lot of um support for people with their anxieties and stuff but how do you combat that for yourself like you've got a lot going on um personally as well in your own life you know you've got your family to protect as well you're married and you're pregnant which is amazing to tell the world (laughs) we're so excited for you but that's terrifying you're you know you're around COVID you're around sick patients and you know you're trying to find not only a way to protect your family and yourself but you're wanting to keep the patients going how on earth do you how do you manage with with your own anxieties about this I think talking is the best therapy any of us can do and I always always make sure that we are talking to staff and they're talking to us and we have a well, I have an open door policy. So the door's always open to the office. So whatever they want to come in, do they want to come and cry? Do they want to come and tell me something funny? Do they want to tell me anything? And I'm there to support them because they're seeing it every day, all mm. the time. And actually we forget that as healthcare professionals, we're very good at leaving our own personal problems and life at the door of the ward and just mm. putting on our hat and going, right, I'm a nurse, I'm a physio, I'm, a, I'm an OT. Mm. I'm going to get on my day. But actually... Also, all those things going on in their own life sort of impacts that as well. So it's really important that when they are in, the, in hospital, they can talk about it. Right. But what uh, about how do you have time for that? Yeah. Sorry. I mean, as in like you're so you're everyone's overworked. Mm-hmm. Everyone is, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like just having to keep all the family updated. You've got so like surely it must be so hard for, to find the time to stop and be like, actually, I need to my own head is about to explode I need to have a debrief I need to speak yeah. to my manager how does that well thankfully our our management team are incredible and I do have a really good support system with the management team we all know when each other is struggling and we have we made a pact in the second lockdown and said that we are all allowed to lose it and we are all allowed to have a bad week We've just got to make sure we know it's not at the same time. <laughs> so we've like it's like um we've said okay it's my week it's your week etc. And we all know when the other one is struggling, so we can pull you aside. Or my, I, the amount of walks I've got done with my manager is incredible. Just around the hospital grounds, just talking things through, mm. and might not even be talking about COVID, just something different. It's just a change of environment, a change of scenery, and that's one of the best ways I find of coping with it is yeah you walk around the hospital grounds and cry to your manager and and but it gets it out right you talking therapy is the best way to deal with it and there's sometimes where you can't at the time in which then I'll come home um and I'm really lucky that obviously Martin my husband is in the healthcare as well so he understands so we give each other sort of half an hour to talk whether it's good bad ugly whatever before we make dinner carry on with the evening etc so that we can That's lovely 
So yeah. do you, when, when you get home, so, so obviously we, we understand you, you have this amazing support system at work where you do have the, you know, open door policy. Everyone has to speak about what they're feeling so that, you know, and you take it in turns. But when you're at home yeah. and Martin also isn't, like you said, he's in the healthcare thing. How do you get an escape from it? Like, mm-hmm. do you have a rule like that? Right. No COVID talk after half. Five? <laughs> like, what, what's, what, how does it work? <laughs> Well, I've definitely said I'm not watching the news and I've encouraged him to not watch the news. Mm. Actually, when you are at work and you live it and you breathe it every single day, you don't want to come home and watch it and listen to it. Mm. So we very much will let each other vent and and blow off and talk about whatever's worrying us. But then we very much then stop and say, well, let's move on kind of thing and talk about something completely different or what we've got planned for the weekend. Not that you can do much at the moment, but such a British mentality, isn't it? The whole keep calm, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) And there's been times where don't get me wrong. First lockdown was awful, but it was new and we were all in it together and we were working out together. Whereas second and third lockdown you just thought it's so you're so fatigued there's not much more that can happen yet it still makes you stop and take a breath and you realize just just how stressed you are it's clearly affected your mental health and it affected all of the staff's mental health do you think on reflection is there anything that now the NHS or what can they add to the training now do you think is there anything that can be done can you prepare for something so horrific I think what we've learned over the last sort of 12 months is so much more about well-being and staff's needs and our own needs, really. What my trust have done, which is honestly, they've been amazing with it, is over the last sort of 10 months is introduce things sort of weekly to be able to help us get used to that. So we've got a well-being officer who um, who visits the wards regularly and talks to the staff in small groups about how they're managing mm-hmm. strategies to cope with it, ways of sort of dealing with um, un- unwanted stress or worry or their family situations, etc. Because they realise that obviously we are humans at the end of the day and we can't keep coming back fighting without offloading. Mm-hmm. We've also got a wobble room. So um, where they first started out in the first lockdown, so you could go in there if you feel like you're having a funny funny moment bit of a wobble go in there calm music candles um I think there's a few free gifts as well that would really help yeah really help so that was lovely and then lastly which is really lovely is we've got project wingman which is the virgin atlantic staff who obviously been furloughed at the moment right in and provide it's called the uh, wingman lounge and it's in one of our lecture theatres. And I think they've been obviously trained a little bit more about counselling, wellbeing, etc. And they're going through chatting to staff, making sure they're okay. You just jump, pop in whenever you want. There's Lego, you can do Lego, you can have so cool. yeah. you know, some food, obviously all social distance, but it's yeah. just lovely to know that they're helping us and we're helping them obviously having having been furloughed so that's really nice it's a really nice project is this a project that's just happening like exclusively with your hospital or is it happening across the country i think project wingman is happening across the country i think that's good and we're just very lucky obviously being close to heathrow that right yeah um, that would make it quite handy yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um so I know in our own personal conversations, we've had discussions about people in our lives that the way that they've conducted themselves throughout COVID. Has any of your relationships, whether that's um, with family relatives or with friendships and stuff or or even co-workers outside of um, the hospital, have they been affected at all? Is, Is there been any sort of conflict or, you know, different opinions to do with how to act in in the pandemic? Have you had any struggles with that? 
I think mainly family wise, we've all been on the same page that stick to the rules. Mm-hmm. You've got to do what you've got to do to get yeah. this country and actually save the NHS and save lives, really, like you said, like everyone says. But and there obviously have been occasions on social media where you see friends that are not necessarily sticking to the rules or bending them slightly. And it can be incredibly frustrating. Do you feel like it's insulting? I think so, yeah. It's like you're not seeing what we're seeing. Can you, like, please stop? If the population knew what it was like and saw what it was like in a hospital, they would they would think twice about sort of breaking the rules or bending them. Mm. Um, and it's so tough because I know people's well-being in lockdown is goes down for everyone. And I understand that, obviously, people struggle and that's absolutely fair enough. And it's just trying to balance that with, obviously, look, come on, guys, we are in a pandemic in lockdown. I feel like that must be so conflicting for people like yourself and in the medical profession where they're aware of mental health they're aware of how important that is but they're also aware that this is a physical thing that needs to be yeah. by everyone staying home and, and and not making this worse and not stressing you know the, the NHS so that must be so incredibly frustrating for you to try and navigate how you're meant to feel about all of this but I feel like the biggest um, emotion that we can only imagine is frustration and anger when when you're seeing that I mean it we is. feel it and we're not even medical um, yeah yeah exactly not key workers <laughs> <laughs> I mean we've all had conversations together about how frustrating it is when you see people breaking the rules um but I always try and err on the side of okay what's going on in their life but actually at the end of the day the big picture is we are in a pandemic patients are passing away um, and this is a serious thing so like come on stick to the rules <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean yeah I think it's the way you conduct yourself in terms of like if you're splashing that all over social media that you're meet, meeting up with your friends and you're having a, a meal you're having them around for drinks yeah that's a bit different to I'm really struggling mentally yeah. I need my mum to come around or I don't know uh, that to me I think that's where the difference is Definitely. is that if you're getting a group of friends together you're like oh, I'm so fed up with this I'm so done with COVID it's like no it's not done because you're bored of it yeah and it's not like oh you really fancy a porn star martini so I'm gonna go out and have cocktails yeah. no that's I just that's what blew my mind was mm. like as soon as we almost got the green light people like running out to bars and I'm like are you serious (laughs) and posting about it everywhere that really got to me yeah I don't know if you saw Chloe Jess and I had spoke about this the other day um there was a I don't remember the name but there was a woman in Dubai from the UK who was on I think this morning or something the one with uh oh my gosh yeah I saw it yes And she was classing herself, a a woman who is an influencer, who was taking photos, considers herself a key worker because she takes photos of herself abroad to boost morale, motivate people, to motivate people. How does that make you feel? I I just think it's absolutely absurd. Do you know what I mean? Like, boost morale, go and get a Chinese takeaway. You don't need, like, people boost morale in different ways, but I do not need to see photos that have been influenced in Dubai yeah a woman in a bikini on a on a camel in the desert like that's not who's that motivating in the UK it's just a different world like like I said to you a while ago like I feel like I'm going to war every day when I'm going to work and that is not in the same category as boosting morale I'm sorry Mm, absolutely not no so in general how do you think the public have conducted themselves during the pandemic and have you personally like at work 
have you witnessed any like disrespectful behavior and did you react to it if you have thankfully at work we've all been pretty good actually and obviously at the start it was difficult to get into the the habit of doing it and social distancing and wearing your ppe and things but now it's just like second nature people don't come in in more than two meters um, and if they do they've got ppe on so i think at work it's been absolutely fine but and i think all in all i think we've done pretty well with the pandemic in terms of lockdown i think that we potentially could have come out of lockdown a lot later and not sort of stopped it so soon are you talking about the first one yeah yeah Yeah. i think that (laughs) because we're on like number three now so (laughs) (laughs) i think the the thinking about the economy and everything was obviously the reason for potentially coming out of lockdown sooner to save the economy and all the whole eat out um dine out to help out and things does that frustrate you because obviously in the medical profession the whole point is to preserve life not to preserve financial absolutely um, and and actually i think i do think i don't have much opinion about government and lockdown and things because i just try to stay out of it and just do my job but that is something I think no we should have stayed in it for longer Mm. got the numbers right down so that we don't have to do it again and again because things like patients lives um the population's well-being all of that is just completely ruined now because of we were potentially saving the economy initially yeah because you're probably getting all these surges like over and over again whereas do you reckon like if we were locked down then you would have hopefully have seen more of a decline and that would have relieved you a lot more and all of the yeah yeah. people at work yeah exactly exactly I think I've always been of the opinion as well that money can always be made like that can that can come it comes and goes whereas you can't bring back a life you know and I I just I it's easier said than done I know I'm not I'm, I'm not in the medical profession I'm not in government I'm not at all involved in financial things at all. So it, it's very easy for me to comment. And I, I I don't think that any of the jobs are easy at all. But I think it's it's a good case to put forward of how things have been handled, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it could have been done better. We've been dealt the hand we've done and we've got to deal with it. Um, and I think this third lockdown, obviously, I don't think we've been locked down as much as we potentially were in March. In that people, I completely agree. It feels so much more lax. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And you think about the amount of cars on the road in March was practically zero, but now it's just a normal day. And I, I think don't that understand is- why. I don't understand why. I thought that the rules are the same. Am I like missing something, or is everyone else? <laughs> but it's people um, portraying their job as. Oh, were essential. And before it was the unknown. No one knew about it. Everyone and wanted to stay inside. They were scared. Mm. Now we know more about it. We know what it's about. We know how it's being dealt with. We've got the vaccine. People are a lot more sort of potentially blasé about it, which is mm. what. What are your What are your opinions on the vaccine? I think it's amazing. I think the fact that we've turned this around in sort of less than twelve months is incredible. And actually, I understand why people are skeptical about it, um, particularly the speed that it's come out. If everyone understood what goes into a vaccine and actually things like the flu has turned around in a year because they have to take the various strains and, and create a vaccine and any new vaccines, the difficulty is that they become they come across barriers in every every sort of step of, of getting it going. Um, and that can take months, that can take years, which is why vaccines normally take quite a long time to be produced. And actually, the whole world has been working on this. The whole world wants a vaccine. So any of those barriers, any of that money constraint, any of that sort of worry about getting it out um, later has been completely abolished. And that's why we've got it out so soon. Personally, I think it's great. I think it's amazing. Yes, we don't have long term data about how it affects people. We've got to go on what 
what the experts are saying and obviously they have said it's safe they've tested it properly I think also people forget as well like you said it's not it's not actually new it's new to us because it's been newly released but they've been working on it for five years or six years it's like a again I'm I'm always giving random analogies to things but it's almost like with makeup or things like that where you have a base and then you or or perfume you have a base and then you start adding the sort of flavors that you like or whatever it's it's the same thing and I think that information in my opinion should have been made key to everyone because they just think it's something brand new and that could affect because it's, like, it's been really quick out and yeah and like that. And yeah like, which I get and that, that's why I think education about around the vaccine is really important I think so definitely and I mean people are obviously anxious who have allergies and I, again I completely get that so that's why they're obviously saying they're being cautious and saying don't have this one have that one instead etc unfortunately I'm not I can't have the vaccine I was going to ask you the next question I was going to ask was you know yeah now that you're you're pregnant because I follow this account on Instagram I don't know if you do too called pregnant then screwed oh, and no. basically <laughs> what a name <laughs> what a name <laughs> so it's all about rights for women who are pregnant who have had children and just fighting for them basically which is amazing and they've gone to court so many times about things and a recent one has been about working women during the pandemic and how they've been treated differently by the government in terms of pay and things like that which is amazing and how um I can't remember if it was Rishi Sunak or someone had basically compared maternity leave to taking time off work or um, a holiday which was just mind-blowing to me having gone through it myself or living it every day basically they were talking about there was a debate going on about whether pregnant women should be given all of the information about the vaccine and given a choice as to whether they want to take it or not so they can make an informed decision or if it's right to say no they just shouldn't take it you shouldn't be allowed to take it whatsoever what have you got an opinion on that or that's really interesting actually I haven't thought about that before I think from my personal non-healthcare opinion it was very much a case of well I'm not sure what it's going to do to the baby in the long run or how it's going to affect the development so that's why I was hesitant to have it before they even said you can or you can't have it. Mm. And I had, then I heard that obviously some, I think one vaccine was better than the other if you're pregnant. So then I looked into that and it, that proved to be not true as well. I think absolutely you should be given the choice. At the end of the day, it's your body. Do you know what I mean? And that's your risk to take. That's no one else's risk to take. It sounds like they're doing it to reduce the amount of kind of... Cover their backs. I think. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. In the long run. But I, I'm 100% I'm with you on that one. I think it should be a, a choice. Um, and when I spoke to my midwife, very much said, look, obviously, really would love to have it. Um, would reduce my anxiety levels about it a lot. Can I have one over the other, et cetera? And she said, unfortunately, they're advising that you don't you don't have it at all. Now, I don't know what would happen if you went into a vaccine centre and said, I'm pregnant, but I still want it. I don't mm. know whether they give it to you or not. But yeah, that have been... But your choice would be not to take it whilst you're pregnant I think so yeah and my my advice that was given the midwife gave me advice that actually we're we're relying on everyone else being vaccinated to look after you which I get to an extent as well Mm. yeah I don't want it now I wish I could have it wish it was different timing etc but it isn't so I don't want it now right but as soon as that baby's out (laughs) 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 when it's having its first uh, uh, vaccinations you'll be having yours yeah yeah yeah, exactly exactly so I just sort of wanted to ask I mean what do you want listeners to take from this because we got a lot of people out there who you know they're struggling they 
fed up obviously we all are but they need to know about what people like yourself are experiencing what would you want them to take from this I think that anytime you think about oh I really need to do this or I really need to just see my friend or whatever please just think twice because the the emotional torment and the the way the hospital is at the moment is horrendous don't get me wrong we're going the right direction but I wouldn't wish it on any of my friends to see what we are seeing and if they were seeing that daily they would not um, act the way they're acting so it's massively thinking about that and actually I haven't mentioned it but aside from that think about the families who don't get to see their dying loved ones because the rules have changed and now you can only see your dying loved one for an hour you know that's absolutely awful you want to be with them the whole time and for me to have to say I'm really sorry your time is up you've got to go it's just Mm -hmm. just not doesn't worth thinking about to be honest and I mean we're very lucky that we have allowed that now but at the start it was very much a case of we were having to zoom patients who were passing away to their families and that was the only way we could do it and that's awful um and if they are thinking about the fact that they're struggling or breaking the rules, please think about those those people that are, haven't had anyone with them when they're mm. when they're dying and mm. passing away, and the families that have not been able to see their loved one. And the last time they saw them was when they were in when went into hospital. Those are the moments that really get us the most, and mm. those are the ones I want people to keep in the forefront of their mind. It is tough, and we will get through it. We will absolutely get through it, mm-hmm. but we need to make sure that we are doing it together and not selfishly independently if that makes sense I just think you're such superheroes I really do I think what all of the key workers are doing is just it's beyond gratitude that we could ever give you know what what you're all doing you're saving the planet at the moment you know all of the all of the people that are just in the worst shape that they'll ever be in their life you know it's incredible what you're doing and just thank you from us to to all of the to the medical staff you're all incredible we're wearing blue for anyone who is on our uh who's not looking at the youtube we're wearing blue for the nhs (laughs) can i just say also the gratitude that we can show is by doing the right thing yes and by staying at home and by you know the the cliche line whatever protect the nhs but that's exactly what we are doing by not being selfish and if you are really struggling mentally and my heart goes out to you I think we've all been there at one point or another think is there another way that I can see my friend could I go for a socially distanced walk is different to I'm gonna have my friend come round and we're gonna just have a open a bottle of wine like is there something that you can do an alternative or even just video call them definitely this this in itself us getting to do this podcast is a way for for us to um for Jess and I just to interact and have weekly chats I I love that I get to do this and we it just so happens we get to record it and you know release it to the world (laughs) it comes as a bonus but it means that we get a a way to chat so it means that I'm not breaking any COVID rules to go and see Jess I'm getting to do a call with you and um and Chloe and you know it's getting us to interact with other people in a safe way so I think like Jess said think about what alternatives there are you know think about the way that you can entertain yourselves because there's no excuse in 2021 the amount of entertainment that's out there there's just no excuse you can stay home you can do this for people like Chloe you can do this so Mm -hmm. in a bit more of a positive light what are you looking forward to um for when the pandemic's over I mean I'm sure the list is plentiful yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) is there anything like on top of your list that you you want you know what? I so main thing is come around to you guys and just give me the biggest cuddle. <laughs> I want a cuddle party <laughs> so bad. 
seeing my family, cuddling my family, like just catching up on lost time. That is exactly what I want. Just being able to go to the pub or a restaurant like with my husband would just be amazing. I mean, the pub's going to look a little different for you now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. I'll still be on the water, but... (laughs) (laughs) And just seeing people not struggle anymore I guess mm. amazing but I mean can I just say one thing I just want to give the biggest shout out to my team because they are incredible yes do it and no matter what we've chucked at them in the last 12 months they have not moaned once they have not put up a fight they have pulled their socks up and said okay tell me how to do it what do we need to do and for me that is the biggest most amazing thing that you could ever do <sighs> oh who are we shouting out? What is the what is the hospital? Um, so some Ashford and St Peter's Hospital. Yay you! Yay Ashford <laughs> St Peter's Hospital. Yay! What ward are we on? Swan. Swan ward, yeah. Swan ward, yes. <laughs> well done, you. Thank <laughs> you for keeping ward. Chloe going. Big love. so thank you so much for this. It's been so great. And the way that we sort of wanted to just sort of wrap this up that we ask all of our guests is, what makes up your circle so if you are a circle what is that made up of what you know is it your family is it your work colleagues is it just your an hour of you know not talking to anyone what does your circle (laughs) made up of my circle is my family my friends and my colleagues 100 100 i know a lot of people will say the same thing but that's absolutely it that is what keeps me going but again like you just said an hour of not talking to anyone is absolute bliss at the end of the day (laughs) It's so funny when um this was even pre-pandemic, but there'd be times when I would just want to call Chloe, like when I, you know, me just being random, I'll just call her whenever. But there'd be a certain hour that she I knew she wouldn't pick up. And I, I got a pattern going. I was like, oh, she's not picking up because this is her quiet time. <laughs> like, okay, won't ever call in this hour. Martin knows to not talk to me. He'll talk to me and he'll just get nothing. I am gone. I think it's quite cool though that you have that discipline like for that time Brilliant. allocated just yeah. for you yeah, yeah. you need a boundary you yeah. need to be like yeah. no this is my time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> decision making fatigue just don't speak yeah. <laughs> so at the end of every episode we love to dedicate each episode to a small business a charity or an organization and since we have you as a guest we have asked you to provide one so could you please tell us about uh, the one that you'd like to support yeah so it's obviously very relevant to this so it's the NHS staff support line and it's run by the Samaritans at the moment and it opened at the start of the pandemic and it's for any staff who are struggling um, with obviously the lockdown what they're seeing being on their own living on their own not seeing their family and any of the things they're seeing at work they can just give um, pick up the line and call and talk whether it be about that or any strategies they can kind of receive to try and get through it but it's very cathartic for them as well I'm just very lucky that it's powered by the Samaritans um, obviously very uh, influential in this area anyway so that's Mm. kind of one I want to plug amazing so um we can put all of the details up on the screen on our youtube video right now um you can go and check them out on our post as well on instagram which we'll be posting once we have released this episode um and if you go into the description in the youtube video all of the links will be there as well so thank you so much chloe for coming on today's episode we can't wait to have you back and talk about um mummy things and pregnancy and stuff i'm sure that will be something great to figure out what you're going through um we can't wait to have you back thank you very very Yay. much and thank you everyone for listening please make sure to like and subscribe to our youtube channel and we will see you for our next episode bye, bye.